from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It is Friday, February 21st. The year is 2020. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Huckabee. I'm coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, down there in Orlando, Florida. Nobody felt like going into Chandler's apartment today. It was covered in a Jumanji-type outgrowth of plants, of vines, of Amazonian-type <laughs> vines. We, we were not interested in figuring out what had happened to him, but keep him in your prayers this weekend. Uh, instead, we have the A-team. We have our illustrious producer, Clark Flippo. Hey, Clark. Hey, hey. Meanwhile, up there in Loveland, Virginia, sent him on a mission to rescue Chandler to no avail. He said he's staying right where he is. He values his own safety too much. It's our friend, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And we are it today, but we're being joined later on the show by, oh, we got a good one. Sadie Robertson is joining us to talk about her new book, Live, Remain Alive, Be Alive at a Specified Time, and Have an Exciting, Fulfilling Life. I got to talk to Sadie about her book. You don't want to miss her conversation about that. Also, got a special preview for you guys. Upcoming episode of Called, the podcast that we've been working on for church leaders. They got to talk to our friend Eugene Cho, and uh, we are going to give you a sneak preview of that conversation. You, If you know who Eugene Cho is, and I assume most of you do, you don't want to miss that. It's a really cool conversation, and, uh, and it's a really cool podcast. Yeah, it's hard to believe that season two of Called is coming up on its mid-season point. Next week is is episode five. This past week, we had an incredible conversations with uh, incredible conversation with Rob Hoskins. Uh, but we figured, you know, hey, we're coming up on season five. Let's give people a little preview in case they didn't jump in at, at episode one. Get them in halfway. Yeah, uh, you know, they can subscribe, hear the rest of this conversation, and listen to all the episodes. You know, this this season has been really, really popular with listeners. So if, even if you're not in church leadership, if you know someone who is, check out the preview of next week's called episode. And if you like it, recommend it and download it. We're, we're very, very excited about it. Guys, we're um, <clears throat> for a little peek behind the curtain today. Is that okay? Can I give listeners a peek behind the curtain? Well, well I guess. It depends on what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Clark is not wearing a shirt. That is <laughs> yeah. what I wanted to tell people. It's, it's, it's true. It's, it's warm day down there and he's just <laughs> owning it and, and loving, loving life. Um, with my oatmeal. Yeah, with his oatmeal. So, uh, no, no, you know, this, this, this episode, it's kind of a, a skeleton crew. Uh, Chandler is gone. No one seen, no, no, Chandler is going to get a new tattoo in Austin. <laughs> I'm telling people his plans. I don't think he cares. If he does well, then I don't think I even knew go that. Find That's him. real. This he, is, this is a real, yeah, he, he, real BTS. He, he, he is going, uh, this week. We were supposed to record yesterday. We had, uh, some additional guests, uh, that we're trying to, uh, to get to co-host with us. We're going to record at, at a time when we have plenty of time to turn this episode around. Uh, no problem. But uh, unfortunately, I fell ill yesterday. I fell ill and I, I called up the guys because Clark is, you know, he's got big plans this weekend. He's he's he had he had predetermined plans to knock off a little early on Friday. And I wasn't going to disrupt those with my illnesses. Uh, you know, Tyler held down the fort all day yesterday. But I, guys, I said we have one option if 
we're getting this show out today, and that is a sunrise podcast session, that's right. and that's what breakfast we're doing club. here. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah, this is the bre- if you're listening on Friday, that means this was recorded at like I don't, seven a.m. that morning. This is maybe the earliest recording we've ever done, but we're we but close listen, to live. it's it's close to live. But listen, the show must go on. There's and there's a lot of great content we got to get to this yeah. week, and yeah, I and I just it. felt like hey, it's it's either it's either no show or an early morning show and i went early morning are you, clark tyler are you guys do you consider yourself morning people well uh i mean kids uh, make me one of those people so yes yeah yeah <laughs> sure. yeah they, they 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 force your hand see my children uh we just give them free reign to the house until about nine o'clock on a saturday <laughs> yeah, i don't know what like they're a, doing one right. day I, one day the front door was <laughs> one day the front door was open i think they ran an errand that morning but uh, i don't let them hold down my sleep uh so Tyler, you so your kids, Jesse, in the Carey household, it's like a it's a home alone situation. It's a Kevin McAllister situation with like ice cream and Fruit Loops and chocolate sauce, watching <laughs> exactly. R-rated movies until you and Dana wake up. Well, look, man, sleep sleep is important. You know, that's what I did when I was a kid. My parents let me watch whatever I want, mostly because they weren't aware of what I was watching, and so I turned out. I turned out terrible, and I hope I get turned <laughs> <out> better. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, we have a lot to get to today. You know, Eugene Cho, uh, Sadie Robertson, we have a lot yeah. to get to before A-list, we before we A-list show. Yeah, before we launch into that, can I can I run a hot take? By by you two, just get I wanna, your, your takes the on hotter this. the better. It's it's yeah. I, we're all I'm drinking coffee. coffee. Yeah. yeah, I'm drinking yeah. coffee as we're talking. It's very early in the morning. Do you guys feel like you're doing morning radio to a degree? Like we all got our coffees. It's it's very early. Like I've never when I was in when I was like growing up. This was like pre podcast era. This is that's what I would listen. I would listening to. I would listen Looking to like the, yeah, like the, <laughs> well, I would listen to like the morning shock jocks. Like we had we had one around here called Tommy and Rumble. And they would play it on like the hard rock station and they would basically just do prank call, like amateur prank calls and stuff. And then we had like man cow and like Howard Stern sure, syndicated. Sure. So, nice. you know, my, my, my humor, and I'm talking like fourth, fifth grade, like that's what I would be like. All right, well, I'm turning on the, turn on the shock jock. Anyway, I feel like we're going shock jock, but tell you, it's interesting. You went to click and clack. You picture yourself as more of a, like a Steve Inski type, like the morning edition on NPR where I'm like, I'm in the shock jock. Wonka, wonka, wonka. You know what I mean? Like just a thousand sound effects for every punchline to underscore every punchline. But Look, that's if fine. You could line up, yeah, I mean that's a we're it's a it's, we're doing I guess a mashup then of genres this morning yes. on our yeah. morning show. We're bringing yeah. all our, our disparate morning show influences. Because and who knows what sort of new how combustible this combination is going to be for this podcast? Yeah. We're in untested waters because I fe- I feel like whatever your hot take is about to be, it's going to be far closer to a morning edition uh like what what's the um what's the well, woman who who is like you know, it's going to be like morning edition political commentary um you know from well where i am i am bringing my hot takes are from ricky and the bull in the mornings you know <laughs> <laughs> well get get the clark get our siren sound effect ready our right. our, our fire alarm ready because this isn't my hot take this is somebody else's hot take that I wanted to, to run by you. This is coming from you guys. I'm sure are familiar with the work of Kevin Smith, 
Yes, the, yes, the 90s filmmaker. filmmaker behind movies like Dogma, uh, Chasing Amy, Mallrats, Clerks, right? Yeah, Jane Silent Bob, Clerks. Yeah, yeah, no, Jane Silent Bob. So an, an interesting cat for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. got all kinds of takes. Lots this is hockey some, jerseys. Love lots of hockey jerseys. Hockey jersey. Lots of hockey jerseys. Backwards hats. <laughs> Loves uh, and and this is and this is a tweet that he sent out yesterday. This is a right. tweet from him, and uh, I'll just read it to you, and I'll, we'll get your takes on it, and I'll okay. I'll have to. Describe an image that went along with it as well, but it's an image you'll be familiar with. So he said, religion have been founded on the Bible, resulting in millions of people deriving inspiration and moral strength from amazing stories about fantastic feats of strength. Okay. Hundreds of years from now, our descendants will find divine inspiration from the story of Captain America wielding Monyur, and it has a picture from Endgame of Chris Evans as Captain America holding the Thor hammer, and apparently suggesting that that this is in within a, a century or two's time destined to replace the Bible as the as the new religion for our for for our descent for for Tyler Jesse and Clark Jr. 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 <laughs> so. Okay, so the, the the case he's making is that yeah. a modern comic book plot, which is, you know, and, and Tyler, I feel like maybe uh, you can break down some of the nuances of this particular uh, prognostication. Well, I could, because, but I think Endgame is a very well-known... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah but, but, we all know but, what he's but, referring to here, right? Yeah, yeah. So so there's a moment in, the, in, in, in Endgame where Captain America wields Thor's hammer in uh-huh. the fight against Thanos. Spoiler alert, I guess. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen Endgame by now, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, he wields Thor's hammer. And the reason that's significant is because in prior films, um, you know, no one was able, none of the, the Avengers team was even able to get the hammer to basically budge. Because There's of, an implication you have to have some sort of moral worth. Uh, yeah. They have a certain level of moral and virtue to to in order to pick up the hammer, which yeah. bef- prior to this only Thor had been able to. It, it's sort of the falconry thing. You don't choose to become a falconry. That's exactly falcon. right. yeah, The yeah, falcon yeah. chooses you, right? Like huh. the hammer chose Captain America. So what Kevin Smith here is proposing that this metaphor is so profound in its implications <laughs> that it will become the leading global <laughs> religion for humanity. Uh, I, I'm sure he's being uh, like tongue in cheek. Right. You don't think do you think my impression uh, 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 or what's your impression of Kevin Smith? And and he is a huge comic book fan and he has also uh, writes pretty thoughtfully. I don't think a lot of people would draw the same conclusions he has, but he has a a history of engaging pretty thoughtfully with religion, uh, even even if a bit irreverently. That is true. He's he seems clearly interested in Christian, like deeply interested in the subject to the point where he is. Uh, even if dogma didn't make him a lot of friends in the Christian community, I, I think that he would say he approaches Christian, the subject of Christianity and God as a, as a skeptical fan, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Appreciates its influence on society and finds the story, the stories to be very uh, moving and interesting from that perspective. So, so my question for you is this, is knowing that he is someone who who thinks uh, thoughtfully about religion, like I said, if not somewhat irreverently, uh, and he is someone who loves comic books uh, and, and, and doesn't flip make flippant statements. You know, he actually reveres them to to an extent. Um 
what do you gauge his level of seriousness or his like philosophical intent by proposing this Tyler? I think that he's being pretty sincere and based on my just firing off the cuff. I think he's being, I think this is a sincere take from Kevin Smith when he, he has sort of a record of a history of doing this on his especially on social media where he's and i don't begrudge anyone this there's a lot of negativity out there he's when he loves something he really sincerely loves it and he goes all in on it he does he there's no there's no uh off switch there's no there's no breaks on yeah. his enthusiasm about things so i think he means this and i think it's an easy conclusion to come to if you see religion as being purely folklore Right. Because then what are any of our modern movies except, uh, you know, the folklore of today that could very easily within a few generations achieve some sort of mythic status and uh, people who make especially comic books have been very open about the fact that they're very inspired by biblical stories and they see these as sort of modern myths in the vein of Greek mythology and Roman mythology. And you can see that, that these larger than life characters who all stand for various virtues and, and have superhuman powers. So it's easy to see how you would arrive at this conclusion if your opinion of religion is that it is a purely humanistic endeavor, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I can see that case. I think where the <clears throat> argument falls apart is that future generations, though they may extract important moral lessons and even moral lessons that are like, you know, prescient to the times. Right. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you look at um, you look at in game and and ultimately the villains motives were was radical conservationism. You know what I mean? At the cost of eliminating half the the human life in the universe. But the ultimate goal was the sort of, you know, conservation. Right. And so they the heroes have find themselves in this sort of moral tension of, you know, trying to fight this radical radical idea but even though the radical idea you know it's rooted in a desire for preservation it's it's sort of like the moral tension of black panther right i mean uh uh you know killmonger though his methods that he was proposing were uh, would ultimately result result in extreme global violence his ultimate goal was to empower the disenfranchised, right? And so, you, you know, these heroes, they're, they're not wrestling with simple ideas. You know, they're wrestling with complex moral ones. And so I think, you know, the, the, the case that he's making there is, is not like unfounded. Like, you know, future generations can look to these stories to figure out how our construct of heroes dealt with complex problems. Here's where it falls apart. You know, future generations are going to still see Captain America as a work of fiction, not as a work of history. Right. right? right. I mean, I really hope that 100 years from now, they're not going to assume that that uh, Endgame is a documentary. You know what I mean? Like, like the, 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 the difference with the Bible and most holy books is that the people who read them assume or operate under the understanding that most of the stories in there actually happened and that that though the, the, those whole, most major holy books are ultimately intended to be like their, their ultimate purpose is sort of like a spiritual guide and point you to these divine truths. 
on its surface, it's a history book. It's people recounting Jesus' teaching from a historical perspective. You know what I mean? Like exactly. it's it's made up of 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 historical documents. So that's where it kind of falls apart to me is the future generations are going to use these works of what they know of fiction as fiction as their as their holy text. I, I don't know. I, I, that's where it kind of falls oh, I, apart. I, to I, me. I agree with you, and I think he I think he was close to so like I I think that people could be inspired by these movies i think you know i think people are inspired by them now to any any movie any work of fiction hopefully has some uh, laudable traits and characteristics that you could use to to uh, inspire you to to stand up for what you believe in and and be brave or, or whatever it's all sorts yeah. of uh, whether it's the avengers movies or uh it's parasite or although I, I know that there are some takes about parasite out there in the wild today that would suggest that it's maybe not that great of a movie we'll get to that later but uh the idea when he goes to hundreds of years from now our descendants will find divine inspiration yeah that's, that's where you where, lose me that's where that i don't know what's going to happen to future general what sort of post-apocalyptic I'm I'm almost as concerned for the future generations spiritually as I am with their basic knowledge of how the world operates. If they're thinking this is divine knowledge and they think it's true, that means their understanding of the universe is centered on the availability of infinity stones. That's the real concern here. <laughs> that, that's that's you know I mean they think this is true they're probably gonna like engineer radioactive spiders to bite themselves you know what I mean and hope that's true. that if, result in cool if, powers if in fact this is true if Kevin is onto something here and years from now our our great great grandchildren look back at the MCU as a series of documentary features that describe a time in the in the in the early twenty first century in which superpowered beings were flying around trying to find <laughs> stones of immense. They're like my great grandfather lived in the coolest house. time ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the last thing they're going to be thinking about is Captain America picking up the hammer. They're going to have they're they're going to be their minds are going to be blown trying to recreate he the, the Iron Man flight suit for example. <laughs> yeah. Why can't worlds. we crack this? They were doing it. Two hundred years ago, we can't even get this thing off the ground. And where is this vibranium mine we've been looking for? There was it a is whole, nowhere to be found. There's a whole awesome country in Africa somewhere <laughs> with the Black Panther that has been lost to society in a matter of a century. Like their own Atlantis. It's okay. So I want to counter. I want to counter Kevin Smith's argument by something else that I saw on the internet this week. And then I know we need to move on the hot list because Clark, I know you're trying to turn this around today, and we're we're breakfast clubbing it. But I got one more point that I want to talk to that that is somewhat related to this, and that is though I just I I think Kevin's point Kevin Smith's point is interesting, and I don't think it will actually come true. I don't think it's as interesting as he thinks it is, simply because it just shows me how out of touch he's seems with modern evangelical culture because do you know how many sermon illustrations there's already been about the Avengers? You know what I mean? Like, well, I, 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 how many churches do you think had a sermon series like earlier last year what, that was, what's your soul's in game? The spiritual, right. you know, you know, they were there, you, you know, yeah. you know, like, you know, every church had it, but it reminded me of something else I saw this week and Tyler, I sent this to you. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. And I, I, I wanted to post it on the site because it was just funny. Like, it, it, like it, it wasn't me being cynical about the church. It wasn't me um, mm. wanting to like 
drag a church. It was just funny. Uh, but I didn't want in, in the, in the web context of just like a, 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 a written, you know, article on our site with some images. It would probably come across as like a little like too mean spirited and cynical, which I get. And so that's why I like pass, but I do feel like I can set the right context here on the podcast for it. So what it was was on Twitter. I saw someone sharing this and it was a sermon series from last weekend. Okay. So last weekend at it was a, it was a large church and it had uh, like up on the screen was the graphic of the sermon series. Okay. And the image was was two was like a women's eyes and they were like it was just her eyes like staring back and they had like a lot okay. of makeup and so like the hint was they were it, it was somewhat of like a, a, a suggestive look in her eye right okay, um, okay. and the text above the screen okay it's valentine's day that's the image <laughs> tyler do you have any guess what this servant series was called i feel like i saw this and I can't now remember what it okay, was. Okay, so just the eyes. Know, and it's I, coming into remember, Valentine's Day. I remember being shocking. And, and the, the, the sermon series. Are you ready for this, Clark? The sermon series is called v- Victorious Secret. Oh, my God. <laughs> Victorious <laughs> Secret, right? And so, Yikes. And so I don't know what the connection to the lingerie store is right. with, with the idea of a, a, a secret to living a victorious Christian life. But that was the angle. But the, what was funny is like on the church's website, and again, man, I don't want to like drag them because I know they're just trying to find a, a cultural connection point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're just trying to find a cultural connection point and engage. And I understand that. And, and I think that's an admirable thing to try to get people to be engaged with with biblical teaching but that doesn't make it not funny (laughs) i mean (laughs) that doesn't make it like like i can't not think it's funny it's victorious secret right Right. and so on the website they have and i'm assuming they do this for like every sermon series they just automatically generate them but it was ways that i'm assuming that you can like promote the church's sermon series because they had free downloadable like desktop wallpapers which one who uses desktop wallpaper papers anymore you know what i mean (laughs) like like you to make your but you could also use that image of those two eyes with the words victoria's secret as your phone wall your phone background and like your save screen who Mm -hmm. at the church is that like is the pastor like hey at staff meeting he's like listen listen uh don't forget, we got the men's retreat coming up next weekend. Uh, the big elders breakfast. Oh, yeah. If you guys could all go ahead and break out your phones and go ahead and download the new sermon series wallpaper. It's called Victoria's Secret. And it's going to be two sedu- seductive eyes staring back at you. Right. If you guys could just make them your save screens, just kind of get the word out. I think it's really going to make an impact Man. in the community. I should sure do social. Uh, I do recall yeah. this, this, uh, and there I saw that they recently did another sermon series, uh, that was entitled, this is true. I'm gonna let you finish taking a drink of coffee, Jesse. Okay. This is true. Called Strip Club. How the church is the world's largest collection of naked people. <laughs> I, think, I think the idea, and I, at some point you start to feel like this is like, this is the pastor wants this to be their thing. Like we're the church that has like kind of funny, maybe slightly bod like body humor 
to pull in. Uh, but I can't. I, I, but, but, but here's the thing: it, it seems to be executed without any any irony. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like yeah. I feel like they kind of think it might be uh, 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 more clever. Like, but not so much more clever. But how many people are making their determination of I'm going to either go to this church or not go to this church? And they're you know I, I can't decide. But wait. The the sermon's <laughs> called Strip Club. I will certainly, you know, yeah, like exactly. I, I understand uh, 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 the 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 motivation, but it just I I question the effectiveness because it has unintended unintended consequences, which is what we're doing. Which is like, okay, uh, objectively, this is kind of funny. It's a little, it's a it's a little cringy. It's a little yeah, cringy. Yeah. It's a little bit. There's a little bit of of a hint of like when your attempt to engage the culture around you turns into just like blatant appeals to consumerism that the, the, I don't know where that line is. I'm not a pastor. I don't have to deal with those. Yeah. With, with yeah. those. Uh, uh, thank goodness. But, uh, but, uh, if for any pastors out there listening, I feel like this one may have crossed the line. <laughs> it's just kind of eye rolling. I feel like the kids, I feel like the kids who would re- see this be like, Oh, please. Yeah. The, and, and this is out of love church. Like oh, I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you're doing really good work there. And, and, and I'm sure you're, you're reaching a lot of people and I'm sure your teaching is really good. And that's why we encourage you to, to lean on the skills God has given you and not necessarily puns like Victoria's <laughs> Secret. All right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're doing the hottest. Has God put something in your heart to do, perhaps something bigger than just the normal routine of life, perhaps to build His kingdom and advance His cause? My name is Jamie Dew. I'm the president of New Orleans Seminary and Level College. I want to encourage you to join us at the Towel and Basin podcast, where we take up all issues related to the kingdom. Go to nobts.edu slash podcasts. Hope to see you there. You're listening to Best Friends. It's by Hillsong, Young and Free. At the top of the cast, you heard Need Your Love. That's by Tennis. All right, time for our weekly look back at the story, our favorite stories at the intersection of fate and culture this week. It's time for... It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. All right, number five this week, an American Idol contestant led the judges in prayer. This was a cool moment. It was um, cool, yeah. Uh, this young singer who goes by Just Sam got emotional when opening up about some of the struggles that she's faced in her personal life. She became overwhelmed to the point of tears while singing Lauren Daigle's You Say. However, after the judges gave her a chance to compose herself and sing a new song, she looked over at Luke Bryan, Katy Perry, and Lionel Richie and asked, can I pray with you guys? Is that okay? They agreed, and she walked over, took their hands, and led them in prayer. Here is a clip. I'm so grateful that you guys even listened to me. I'm so grateful that God put you in front of us, okay? Can I pray with you guys? Is that okay? Please, sure, whatever you want to do. Come here. Come here. I want to do with you guys. Come here. 
So repeat after me. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Lord, make my life brand new right here, right now. Lord, make my life brand new right here, right now. With my friends. With my friends. And my new fam. And my new fam. Amen. Can we go jump in the Potomac? Yeah. <laughs> We're insane! Right. Now, Sam, we want to say something. You ready for this, guys? And then that uh, that celebration you hear at the end was her showing her family her golden ticket because she's going to Hollywood this week. She's going to stay in it. And she should. She, sounded, she has a really good Pretty voice. Cool. Yeah, she was great. This was such a cool moment. It made it, it's hard not to really like this young singer. Yeah, I mean, she, she's, she's a very was, winsome personality. Yeah. And she wears it, wears her heart on her sleeves to a degree. But even just the sincerity of her prayer. And also, like, it was such like if you could pick three American Idol judges, it's not that I'm like. Like been closely following American Idol for all these years, but like the the three that were present for the prayer, like Lionel Richie openly was talking about God before this right. contestant walked over and asked for prayer. Katy Perry obviously has a past as a Christian uh, music singer, and, 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 and in recent years has, has kind of opened. You know, her father's a pastor; she grew up in the church. She's kind of talked more about engaging with her faith. Faith. I have no idea what Luke Bryan is, but I kind of assume that all modern country singers <laughs> probably. Consider themselves like you know, flip on the religion switch on a dime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's the one who suggested after he was the one in the clip. We were like, let's go get jump in the Potomac and get baptized. You know, it's like you know the, the spirit of it was just all was was really cool, and yeah. um, it wasn't cynical and. It was funny and good natured, and it was a great moment. You know, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was it was a powerful moment. I, I like her. I'll be insofar as I root for anybody on American Idol, which isn't very much. I'm a, I would say team I'm Sam, a, team uh, Sam, but but definitely team, team just Sam. Sam. Sam, we're rooting for you. Um, number four this week, Rich Wilkerson Jr. Offered the people who stole his car an internship. I'm still waiting on it. So last week, VU Church <laughs> Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. had his car stolen. Fortunately, it was found a few days later. But an Instagram video, Wilkerson addressed to the individuals who stole his car. They haven't been caught yet. And he offered his forgiveness and a job. He invited them to church. He offered them a three-month internship and assured them that he wouldn't press charges. Here's a clip from his Instagram video. Happy Friday, everybody out there. Happy Valentine's Day. I sure hope that you've got uh, a Valentine today. If you don't, uh, Jesus loves you. Check this out. Um, it's a good day. Not only is it Valentine's Day, but they found my car. Amen. We are very, very grateful about this. Uh, if you hadn't heard, two days ago, our car was stolen from our driveway. A little scary, felt a little invasive. But the good news is, is that they found the car. Now, here's the deal. Whoever you are that took our car, we think there's about three of you. Number one, I'll let you know, we love you, we're for you, and thank you for uh, leaving it somewhere that we could find it. But here's the deal. Um, I wanna challenge you right now, those of you that stole my car, because here's what I know. If you keep doing stuff like this, life is not gonna be good for you. You're gonna spend probably forever in prison. So, here's a challenge. I think today, Valentine's Day, is a good day to pivot. That's a change of strategy, okay? I want to give you a better strategy towards success. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. This Sunday, I want you to come to VU Church. And if you come to the 10 or the 1215 service, uh, come up to the front afterwards and just say, hey, I was the one that Rich was challenging. I was a part of that incident. 
We want to give you an opportunity. And the opportunity is this, is I'm going to let you be an intern at Voo Church for three months. Now, listen, I will not pay you. You did steal my car. Um, but for three months, I'm going to intern you and mentor you. And I actually believe if you give us three months of your life, your life will be changed. You'll be on a much, much better path. And I think you can take this really bad thing that happened and we can turn it into a good thing. Yeah. Not going to prosecute you, not going to press charges. Actually want to love you and actually want to give you an opportunity. So if you stole my car, it's all good, bro. Thanks for leaving the stroller. That was very kind of you. But we love you. Come to church this Sunday, 10 or 12, and we're going to give you a three-month internship. It's going to be awesome. All right. I love you. Peace. Do you think if you're the if you're one of the car thieves, it's, yeah, you, you you smell a trap there? You're like, yeah, you're not. Nice, nice try. Yeah, nice, nice try. Yeah, it's like, hey, I'm here for the internship, and he's like, all right, you know. So first task, we want you to just, you know, I just want to, uh, you know, give me your hands, brother. I just want to shake right. your hands, and he like throws on handcuffs. Since there's arrest, fool. Yeah, there's no internship, sucker. No, no, I think it's great. I think it's it's cool that he's not pressing charges. Oh, I it's, think it's, it's, super it's, cool. it's a cool yeah, act yeah. of grace. I, I don't know if most people are in the mood to offer. Uh, you know, the thief a job. But um the so I think it's very cool of him. I had a buddy in high school who get his car stolen. He actually had his car stolen like three times and it wasn't a very nice car. And and this isn't I'm not throwing shade on anyone who owns a Dodge Spirit, but that's what it was. And uh it was it was an aging Dodge Spirit that had some issues with the paint. So I don't know what it made it appealing to car thieves, other than that maybe it's just easy to like hotwire. But one time he got his car stolen. And this is this is way back in the day when people used to carry CD books in the car. Did you guys have CD books? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, pre-Spotify, pre-iPhone. And, and you literally, if you wanted tunes to switch up your tunes, you had to pull out like a giant three-ring binder of CDs <laughs> and fire another one up. Well, he got his car stolen and they ended up finding it uh, a couple days later. And he, he went to check out, and the car was fine. There was no damage. Someone just kind of took a joyriding. But weirdly, they stole his CD book, but they accidentally left their own CD book. And so <laughs> my buddy was like, I'm not really mad at these car thieves because we they basically traded CDs with him, and they had way better taste in music than me. So he ended up... <laughs> For the price of a joyride, he got a whole new music collection. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get with those good-natured car thieves out there. Number three this week, Chance the Rapper performed Ultralight Beam during All-Star Weekend. So Chance was among the many artists who provided entertainment. This week's NBA All-Star Game made an interesting song choice during the mini concert. He sang Kanye's 2016 single, Ultralight Beam. Kanye was actually there. He was sitting courtside for some of the weekend's events, but he didn't join Chance for Ultralight Beam. Uh, that's from Kanye's Life of Pablo album. It features one of the all-time great Chance guest verses, and it was, for a lot of us, our first introduction to Chance the Rapper. Uh, here's a clip of that performance. When they come for you I will shield your name. I will feel their questions. I will feel your pain. No one can judge. Yeah. They don't, they don't know. They don't know. Foot on the devil's neck till it drifted Pangea. I'm moving all my family from Chatham to Zambia. Treat the demons just like Pam. I mean, I mess with your friends, but damn, Gina. I've been this way since Arthur was in Eda. Now they want to hit me with the woo out the Pam. Trying to snap photos of Fam Leah. My daughter looks just like seeing you can. You can feel the lyrics, the spirit coming in braille. Tell me another underground, come and follow the trail. I made Sunday candy, I'm never going to hell. I met Kanye West, I'm never going to Let's do a good-ass job with Chance 3 I hear you gotta sell it to snatch the Grammy Let's make it so free and 
the bar so hard, it ain't one gosh darn part you can't. This is my part, nobody else be. This is my part, nobody else be. This little light of mine, glory be to God. Yeah. I'ma make sure that they go where they can't go. They don't wanna ride, I'ma still throw rainbows. God said when he made the first rainbow, just throw it at the end of my I got a question about this, guys, because obviously, you know, the, the All-Star Weekend was in Chicago and they really made it. The NBA really made an effort to make it very regional. You know, there's a lot of tributes to like Michael, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan and things like that, the Bulls. Uh, and, and that's partly why Chance was chosen to be part of the entertainment. Sure. Like Common had a big presence at All-Star Weekend. He was everywhere. So they really kind of leaned on some of these Chicago artists. Um but did you guys feel did well did you guys both watch the full Chance the Rapper performance? It was probably like twelve minutes. We embedded the whole thing on the site. Did I, you guys did yeah. watch it? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Did you feel like him mixing in so many well, like, for example, Ultra Light Beam is not a Chance the Rapper song. It is a song that he has a verse on that's from from a Kanye album. Uh, do you feel like that you know, making that sort of the center point of the performance? It is sort of a concession on Chance's part that his latest album wasn't his best work. Mm. I mean, that's he, that, that that's not me coming at him. That's just saying, like, you know, obviously his last album got kind of mixed reviews. I think it's great. Great. I saw him at Lollapalooza. I saw him do a guest performance at Lollapalooza with Death Cab. I thought he was great. I'm a big Chance fan. But it seems like when someone would do something, you know, something like this so close on the you know, right. within the span of a time when they're promoting a new album, they wouldn't go to like a random verse from someone else's song. Do you feel like it's somewhat of a concession that he's done well, better work? Yes and no. He does that. I've seen Chance two or three times and he has performed that song every time. Really? I've seen him even pre, even pre big day. So this isn't like a super strange thing for him to do. I think he's really proud <laughs> Of, I think he really loves Kanye. I think he's really proud of his affiliate of like Kanye, like finding him and yeah. kind of uh, be him sees himself maybe, or at least at one point did see himself as Kanye's protege, probably rightfully so. Both Chicago rappers, uh, both very, very had sort of a similar story, like coming up, like in the way that they came up. And then obviously his guest verse on, uh, the song was his real breakthrough to mainstream attention after acid rap came out. So I think that it's not super unusual, but I think that he probably does understand that his last album just didn't have the same impact that that coloring book did. And if there was a single on there that had really broken out, he probably would have done that one instead. Yeah. Yeah. And his verse on ultra light beam is one of the best verses all time. Yeah. I I think it's one of my favorite of the decade. Like it's, it's such a good, it's he's, he's a great talent and and he'll be, you know, this isn't to cast any aspersions on. No, 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 not at all. With another, with another album. It just not, not at all. I like big day. I'm, I'm, I may be in sort of the critical minority, but I actually like the album a lot. I just didn't know if, because, because his reaction to some of the criticism seemed to be, uh, you, you know, so vulnerable. I didn't know if you guys thought that, that this was sort of a concession that sort of, maybe I'm just reading way too into it. Maybe it's just a Chicago artist performing a verse from another Chicago artist song, you know? It, it, it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was killer. Yeah, it was killer. Yeah, he, he brought it down. Great. It was great. It was great. Number two, Justin Bieber discussed Jesus with Zane Lowe. So on the heels of the release of his new album, Changes, 
Justin Bieber sat down with Apple Music's Zane Lowe for an extended interview about his life, career, his marriage, and his faith. He explained, I'm very, very grateful to have influences in my life that have played a huge part in me seeing their relationship with Jesus and their relationship with their wives and their relationship with their kids and saying, that's what I want. And I'm striving after that. In the years since his last album, Bieber's opened up about his struggles with mental health issues and has been open about his previous legal struggles and issues with substance abuse. However, he has since rededicated himself to his faith. He got married. And as he explained to Zane Lowe, it was the idea of grace that helped him through some of those difficult times. Here is a clip of that. I think that I was just, yeah, living in this shame, living in all this sort of stuff of my past, and I wasn't able to move on. But the more I looked at it, so now I'm not doing, the way I look at my relationship with God and with Jesus is I'm not trying to earn God's love by doing good things. God has already loved me for who I am before I did anything to earn and deserve it. It's a free gift by accepting Jesus and just giving your life to Him. And what He did is the gift. The forgiveness is the thing that we look at and, you know, I'm going to worship you, God, because you gave me something so good. Mm. And so you live that life of like, I don't want to cheat on my wife, not because it's the right thing to do, but because I don't want to hurt her. See the difference there? That is love. Yeah. it's, it's You're like, putting the well-being of someone that you care about ahead of your own fallibilities and your own... Exactly. Previous behavior. Exactly. And what's, you know, what's out there. Exactly. So speaking of, uh, I, I think it's super cool that just that Bieber has felt uh, as open as he has to talk about some of these things. I mean, talking about faith is obviously cool, but talking about past issues with, with substance abuse and mental yeah. health, that's not easy. And yeah. especially when you have somebody with the sort of uh, fan base that he has and and just the pro- really unprecedented growing up experience that Justin Bieber had. Uh, I feel like having any sort of semblance of a normal mental health life probably just isn't available to you. And we probably don't have a whole lot of, um, there's no blueprint, you know, there's yeah. no roadmap for what those, how those guys are supposed to be like and, right. and what they're supposed to, and how their, their therapists and counselors and pastors can help them through it. And I think, but I think a lot of them have really tried and it's cool to see that that is resulted in him feeling like he can talk about some of these things. It really does seem like we've got to see kind of his maturing, uh, you know, in, in the way he talks about faith in the last few years, which it's, it's super encouraging. I do have another unrelated it's unrelated. It's related to Justin Bieber's unrelated to faith. The mustache <laughs> thing that he's rocking. Okay. Yeah. He's kind of got that, this. Like, this, a, this it's, it's if not you haven't me, seen. Uh, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I'm bringing it now. I'm broaching it because it made me think of something. So Justin Bieber has a mustache now. He seems to be very proud of it. And, you know, if you saw him on SNL or on Instagram, wherever, you can go see the mustache. It looks like a mustache. Um, uh, but it made me think about facial hair because before we started today, like I said, we're recording really early in the. Early. Well, earlier than we typically do. And the lighting is not the typical, you know, most of the time, again, behind the curtains, Tyler and I see each other when we record over webcams. We're not in the same, we're not even in the same state, but uh, uh, we look right at each other. So it it kind of resembles being in a studio and the, and the, and the, and the lighting around us is usually natural light. Like Tyler and I sit in office spaces in our homes near, in our studios with near windows, right? Vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah. And so the way that 
the light was coming in this morning as it was cresting over the Nashville horizon and it was shining light in the room. For some reason, the way it was falling on Tyler's face uh, made it look like he had only a chin goatee. Okay. And I didn't say anything. I knew he didn't have it. I, I saw Tyler yesterday and I talked to him a lot. And I did not see a chin goatee, and I don't think he got. I don't think one magically grew overnight, and I don't think he not used that kind of guy. like some one of the you know something uh, uh, to like paint one on or anything. But it did look like a chin goatee, and I could not see him with a chin goatee. So here, here is my question for you, Tyler, and and mm-hmm. and I want to figure out a way to make this bet happen, right? Okay. Like if you had to go around for two weeks and, and with with a, with an item of facial hair, and this is it for anyone. I'm not making fun of anyone who has a goatee or who has a mustache, but I'm just saying a new look for me. It would be a new look for Tyler and seem very uncharacteristic of kind of the look he has going. So here, here's where I'm getting. So Tyler, which would you least like to have to, to wear for one for, for two weeks? Okay. And the stipulations of this hypothetical, uh, uh, feat of endurance would be, you cannot tell anyone that you're doing it ironically. I see. Okay. Okay. You you just, if people, mention it you just be like yeah just trying something new okay you have to you'd have to let on that this was a sincere effort to redo your look okay so your options are this a goatee so you have to choose one of the following okay just a, goatee. a goatee no no, no. a goat like the a straight up goatee like it, it goes from above the lips it connects down the sides and the, the tony stark the, sort of, the okay. tony stark yeah yeah exactly uh, you know uh, uh so so that's option one two is a is a healthy soul patch which is soul patch is a tuft of hair right under the just bottom triangle yeah, yeah just a little triangle but a real a real tuft there okay the the third is a mustache the fourth is just the chin goatee, which is a goatee that populates the main part of your chin area. Okay, if you had to pick one, which would be at the top of the list that you would do? And again, mm-hmm. you can't let people let it on that right, you're doing right, this yeah, as, yeah. as, just, as uh, an just, experiment. Yeah. Uh, what would be, which one would you most like to do? I think, I think the answer would be for me, the full on goatee because it's Stark. such a sinister, it's there's something about it that's so like, oh, he's turned to a life of crime. He is like, like, it's, like it's either it that, makes sense that I couldn't talk about it's it. It's either that, it's, it's either it's a, he's turned to a life of crime or he's turned to a life of IT work. Like, I feel like when you get that goatee, they just give you a cell phone belt clip at, <laughs> clip at the barber shop. They're like, here, you're going to need this now. Yeah. And, then, and they're like, and they're like, hey, also, uh, there's a, there's a pack of earth tone polo shirts you're gonna need to start tucking those in chief that goes with the goatee <laughs> the mustache is the obviously easy one because like you know with justin bieber there, there's lots of guys who will just grow like kind of the ironic yeah, mustache sure, thing now. Sure. And i feel like a lot of friends wouldn't that they've like wouldn't like oh yeah, yeah trying sure, to be cool not? trying okay. and failing again which one would you least cool? like to do which one would oh, you it's, it's got to be the little the chin goatee <laughs> yeah. that is yeah. just uh that is just it it's not your look man not interested i clark how yeah. how can we get tyler to grow a chin goatee <laughs> for two weeks like what can we hatch mm. to i i think a twitter tyler how about that if if i release a twitter poll on the relevant podcast twitter uh-huh. Should Tyler grow a chin goatee for two Let weeks, not ironically? <laughs> if they vote for it, will you do it? 
<laughs> if it was no, I would not. It would have to be. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it would take. It would take some sort of oh, well, we I mean, if there was some sort of charity. If we hit a, if we had a monetary, a monetary uh, goal for, what's for goal? some what's sort the, of what's for the some price? sort of charity. What's the uh, price? Because there are, there are endless charities here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Worthy yeah. charities that that would. What is the goal? How much would it take for you to not ironically grow a chin goatee for two weeks? Let's see. I think if we hit, what was your, when you, uh, this is not as big as the, as Nickelback. This is right. This isn't the same level of commitment. I think, I think for Nickelback, we raised somewhere in the neighborhood of 34, 30 or $40,000. I think, I can't remember, but I well, think it was the so, initial, your initial goal was, was $5,000, $5,000. <laughs> okay. That, you know, when people it, it, that ended up, we ended up surpassing that like the first day because the, 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 the strength of the idea from a listener was so funny to listen uh-huh. to. And then, this is not that uh, this this isn't that but for a good cause i would still do it uh if we were to my 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 first thought would be races the 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 texas uh uh immigrant uh uh legal action community okay if we could get a thousand dollars for them then i would a thousand dollars yeah yeah easy peasy man listeners listeners hit us up on twitter (laughs) if you think if you'll chip in a couple uh a couple shekels so that tyler (laughs) will grow this because a thousand dollars seems extremely obtained i'm i'm willing to to go in you know a a one one hundredth of that i'll put i'll throw in 10 we only need 100 people at the 10 (laughs) dollar level and tyler's walking around nashville with an unironic chin goatee so let us know at relevant podcast. I'm very, very serious about this. Okay. We, it, it, I'm if I get, I'm, huh? listen, if I get enough, if, if there's enough people, yeah. Okay. Here's what it is. Here's what I'm, okay. Here's what, here's what we're going to have to do, Tyler. It, it let's up the stakes. Let's go 2000 and Tyler has to go full early nineties youth pastor makeover. Okay. <laughs> like the chin. I feel like the chin goatee is part of that, right? We need to get you some oversized old youth group t-shirts or some like, you know, uh, a breadcrumb and fish, uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. catch up we'll to the to spirit of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so a full, how much is a full '90s youth pastor makeover worth to you, Tyler? Now we're getting now we're getting up there a little bit. The, it would have to be supplied, and then I think we're talking twenty five hundred. Okay, okay. And how long? And, and and how many days consecutive would you would you? I this feel like it's got to be a week. fourteen days. Fourteen, 14 days. days in the youth pastor makeover. In the full, yeah, yeah, we can for twenty five hundred. Okay, wow. at relevant podcast, tweet us. Let us know what should be a part of the makeover, and also, would you be willing to contribute? I think this is an easy way to get to earn twenty five hundred bucks for a very, very good cause. Let us know, Tyler. I'm excited, man. This is going. This hey, is. Uh, do, well, I'll start pulling together. I'll start pulling together the the pieces of the outfit right now. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I'll schedule. Uh, I'll schedule. Uh, a, uh, I'll call my call a hairstylist. Get the highlights. Get the frosted tips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you got I feel like everywhere you go, you have to carry like a pizza box around. Be like pizza party. <laughs> <laughs> The, the official outreach of the 90s youth pastor. Every, conver- every conversation, flip the chair around backwards. Invite yeah, everyone to a lock in. Hey, guys, things are going to get a little real for a minute. I hope that's okay with you. <laughs>
Welcome to Victoria's Secret. Youth Club Edition. Youth Edition. <laughs> For the kids. <laughs> okay. All right. Looking for All right. Number one this week, Nathan Fielder. And the Safdie brothers have a comedy series in the works. Okay, so this is an interesting one. Nathan For You creator Nathan Fielder is teaming up with Uncut Gems writer-director duo Benny and Josh Safdie for a comedy series that's headed to Showtime. The half-hour comedy is called The Curse. It explores the strange supernatural goings-on of the house owned by an HGTV famous Chip and Joe type couple. The plot is still mostly under wraps, but the idea is that a couple who stars in their own HGTV show called The Flipanthropy start dealing <laughs> with an alleged curse in their home. Fielder will play the husband, and Benny Safty will be a producer on the fictional show. Uh, if you don't know, Nathan Fielder, he was nominated for three WGA awards for his show Nathan for You, a show that's part business consultant mockumentary, part candid camera documentary, all cringe. He's also appeared in Transparent, Drunk History, and The Disaster Artist. The Safdie brothers are in high demand after reminding the world that Adam Sandler can really act with their pulse-pounding nail-biter uncut gems. They were also nominated for a Film Independent Spirit Award in the directing category for the Robert Pattinson starring Good Time. Uh, this sounds like uh, this sounds very up my alley in a lot of ways. Yes. I'm a big Nathan for You fan, Jesse. I know you love Nathan for You. I do, I do. He's a he's he's a genius. He's a I struggled genius. with knowing how to even describe the show. I tried in this to you did my it, best it accurate. Yeah, it, it's sort of an experimental reality show. If you haven't seen it, it is really hard to describe, but it is worth watching because it is some of the things that Nathan Fielder pulls off in that show. I don't know. I don't think anybody else in the world could probably do. And, and combining with the Safdie brothers, who are really um, interesting filmmakers, who, yes, who seem yeah. very content on telling stories that they want to tell the way they want to tell them in a very uncompromising fashion, is very exciting. And plus, HGTV, like, I, w- listen, I, 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 I totally understand the appeal of Chip and Joe. You know, Chip's been in the magazine. We got a chance to, you know, interview him. I think they're awesome people. And I think their, their whole, uh, kind of empire is, 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 is kind of, is pretty fun, right? Like all the, all the, the, the farm chic, you, you know, furniture that you can now buy at Target. But let's be honest here. This is another thing that's ripe for parody. Like, I'm, I'm shocked there is, no uh, HGTV sort of mockumentary or parody show because it is it, you know ripe for that kind of good natured parody. Uh, mainly because at this point everyone is familiar with the formula, which is let's find two people that have some experience in real estate or design, right? It's great if they're related, and then we show people, we show you know everyday Americans checking out three houses and then we'll renovate one and unveil it at the end. That's the formula for fixer upper. <laughs> That's the formula for property brothers. That's for for half the shows on. They, they got a new one with like a husband and wife from some town in Louisiana. Like they follow the same formula related real estate design couple uh, show three houses, flip one at the end. You know, any show that's kind of making fun of that trope, I think will be funny just because we've all become so familiar with it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I, I think that the the cookies are on the bottom shelf for this one and that the team they hired is is wildly overqualified. And that's so what, I think that yeah. that's that's the joy. That's the thrill yeah. of it. It could yeah. be a lot of fun. I, I think it will not be 
it'd be easy to do a easy, uh, like suitably funny parody of the HGTV stuff. And this one feels like it's, it's playing the game on hard mode. And yeah. I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's. It's the hardest, the hardest. It's sizzling. When we come back, Sadie Robertson joins us. Listening to Cut Me by Moses Sumney. Sadie Robertson is a speaker, writer, former star of Duck Dynasty, former dancing with stars runner up, and is an Instagram influencer with more than 3.7 million followers. And her book, Live, Remain Alive, Be Alive at a Specified Time, Have an Exciting or Fulfilling Life. Sadie explains ways to engage with God's truth and light in a world that is growing more and more confusing. Uh, I got to talk to Sadie. We had a a fun conversation uh, about this book and and some of the uh, I think also just some of the the why is what's most interesting to me. A lot of times these people have a lot of options. She, Sadie could do anything, and she doesn't have to do anything actually at all. She's uh, she's. A, I think when you're an influencer, nobody expects a whole lot from you. So the fact that she decided to do a book, I think, is really cool. And yeah. the uh, so I, what I wanted to know is why this book. Like what what uh what what really motivated her to for this to be the book? And and this is what she had to say. I think the core message of it all is to shut everybody's life has value and everybody's life has meaning. And I think that, you know, we are living in a time where uh, suicide is like the second highest cause of death for young people. And that's why I changed the title of the book. So it's all about life. And I didn't feel very qualified to write towards that. But then at the same time, I felt like I can talk about the fact that your life is valuable and your life is meaningful because I do believe that about everybody. So the whole book is just a celebration of life and a celebration of your own life and trying to get people to have a revelation that, well, I have breath in my lungs. That means I have a purpose. That means that I have value here. And so I think people would definitely feel that and experience that as they read the book because that's what the whole book is, really breathing throughout the whole thing. So Sadie mentioned the uh, something we've talked about a lot, uh, relevant the suicide rate that which is soaring and, and doesn't seem to be abating, and and she brought that up as a real prime motivating factor for why she felt like there needs to be a message encouraging people to to uh, uh, start to to stop just existing and start really living. Uh, and she was very, she wanted to be very clear about where the sort of the limitations of what she's talking about that this is that this a lifestyle she's talking about isn't a cure-all for mental health issues. This yeah. is a, the, the mental health is a real thing and you can't just sort of wish yourself out of it by with some, with just a bunch of practical, easy to do steps. It's more complicated than that. Uh, but mental health is serious for her and, and something that she's, that she's had her own issues with that she talked about here. Okay. So I think mental health, well, I know mental health, it's such a broad um, topic and there are like certainly like certain types of mental health that are like chemical imbalances. And so that's not really what I'm talking about in the book because you know, for those things, I do understand that there are at times medication needed or there's therapy and counselors needed. Um, and I highly recommend doing those things and talking to the doctors. 
and calling the hotline and we even provide a number for like suicide prevention so there is certainly like levels to this and a lot of what I'm talking about is personal experience of wrestling with anxiety and um, my own life and you know I had a long period of anxiety that's why I wrote the book with fearless and so I do understand that there is like there's different levels but I do think that for most of us all of us Everyone in this generation has faced temporary moments of anxiety or depression or feelings of sadness or really down on themselves or worthlessness or whatever that may look like or feeling unlovable. That's lies we've all believed. That's thoughts we've all had. You know, the Bible says that the tongue holds the power of life and death. And so, therefore, when we speak, like, we have a power in our in our mouth to be able to declare life over each other, to bring life. And so this book really is that. It's, it's bringing life to certain situations. It's giving truth to people who are on a thought pattern that's very negative or on a life pattern that's very negative. It's like, if you do this, this, and this, this is how you're going Let's shift that and let's walk into something like this and look at the life that you start to feel in, in your body. And so it's, it's a practical book. It's, it's crazy because it is such a big topic of life and death, but yet it's a very practical thing because life and death happen and will happen to all of us. And so we have to be able to put language to it. I think it's so cool to see someone like a, a, a Sadie Robertson or, or some of these other figures who aren't just big cultural figures, but are particular, you know, we talked about Justin Bieber earlier, you know, opening up about mental health and, um, you know, dealing with that in, in ways that are, that are healthy that, you know, some of these celebrities, I feel like Instagram culture lends itself to a degree of vulnerability, you know, that mm-hmm. someone like Sadie who does, I mean, she's got almost 4 million people who, who follow her every post. I think it's really cool that she's willing to open up about a topic like that. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I think is a huge part of that. And I really wanted to, I was curious, how she would deal with this because this is not necessarily a, an obvious question, but I was interested in it when she talks about this this kind of choosing this sort of life that she's talking about. Uh, I wanted to know who had modeled that for her. Who, what sort of people in her life did she know who had really showed her the right way to do that? And uh, and I appreciated how willing she was to open up about that. You know, I think. My mom is definitely one of those people. And it's like a classic, like <laughs> my mom, but my mom like is the most consistent person I've ever met in my life. Like she's so consistent. She doesn't, she doesn't get too down. She doesn't overreact about things. And one day I asked her, I was like, how do you like, how are you so consistent? Like, how are you not afraid of things? How does things not bother you? And she literally said to me, she was like, well, honestly, like I just believe God's word is true. And it was really powerful because it's something that, like, I read, too. It's something that I believe, too, except for, like, I don't necessarily, before this moment, did I really take that into play as much as she You want to talk about something that has remained? Um, the scripture that's lasted for 2,000 years, you know? Like, that's something that actually has stayed the same when everything in the world constantly changes by different trends, different days. And so I started to think, like, okay, Mom, you're on to something here. And um, that's kind of, she definitely has been a huge influence to me. And also my husband. My husband, um, his story is really cool. He used to, you know, 
is somebody who is totally in the world, totally going with the world's options of temporary satisfactions. And then one day he was like, this isn't working. Like, I don't feel good about myself or life. And um, that's whenever he started to have faith. And whenever he turned to Jesus, his life completely changed. And we met years after that. And so it's just really cool because I look at him and his story and somebody who kind of went both ways and found that Jesus is an option. So it's really cool. Both of those people have been hugely influential to me. So, you know what, if uh, you could do a lot worse than the two of the, Two of the people who are closest to you being able to model such a cool way of living. I yeah, really appreciate sure. her for sure. Being to to talk about that, and uh, I appreciated the conversation as a whole. You can pre-order her book, Live, right now. Uh, that was Sadie Robertson. Next up is our mid-season preview of the Church Leadership Cup podcast called with Eugene Joe. You're listening to Cemetery by Coin. Love Coin. Love that coin. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, love that. Uh, coin. Always got to get that coin. Each week on Relevance Church Podcast, called leading pastors, activists, and thinkers, join us to discuss the issues facing today's churches and share insights and tips on how to more effectively reach people and build God's kingdom. Now, as we approach the mid-season point of season two, we wanted to give a preview of next week's episode. It features an interview with a, a great guy, writer, former megachurch pastor, Eugene Cho, about innovation in ministry, called Joel Bennett, discuss new ways of new ministry and how to look at innovation in the modern church with Eugene. Here's a clip of that conversation. If, you've, if we can talk about leadership like that and we're going to, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to, to change some things up, how does that roll on into our services? Should we be liturgical? Should we be a concert, church, tainment? What, what should, is there a happy medium? What does it look like in a postmodern society, this postmodern world? Yeah. Well, you know, that's a question that I don't want to answer, uh, meaning I'll answer it, but not <laughs> I think in, in the way that people want me to answer it. I mean, I'm really grateful that God cannot be contained. The kingdom of God cannot be compa- uh, contained by one expression of innovation or church or leadership. Uh, you know, like while I love Quest Church and our expression, and I believe it to be authentic and real and genuine, we tell people Quest is not the way to do church. It's one way. It's one community's uh, diligent uh, expression of how we seek to embody our faith, not just on a Sunday, but every single day of the week. So, you know, as for like liturgical or concert venue, you know, that's up for conversation for each community and congregation. But I do think that what we have to be careful about is that we live in a hyper individualized world, a very consumer centric world. So let's be careful that we're not just giving people what they want to entertain people. And we're not actually digging deep into the holistic formation, the discipleship of our people in our church, not just for a Sunday, for a 65 minute or a 90 minute or a two hour service, but how are we really equipping people uh, to be about the whole gospel, the whole person in all spheres of society? That's the hard question. And I think that's really where God wants us to be. 
in your first book, uh, Overrated, you address the, the question um, in ministry, are we more in love with the idea of changing the world than actually changing the world? How can a leader, an activist, a pastor, how do we honestly address that? Uh, you know, uh, I recently, uh, a friend of mine told me that, um, uh, and I just met this person at a local uh, a coffee shop, and uh, he was telling me that he was trying to look for me online and Googled Eugene Cho is an overrated jerk and was able to find uh, find me. Um, so I've got a book entitled Overrated and a book entitled Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. Um you know, I mean, I think it begins with confession. Um, I think confession is oftentimes the, uh, it sounds dramatic, but I think it's one of the most under-discussed, under-utilized, under-appreciated Christian gift and discipline to be able to share from confession and vulnerability. And so that book, Overrated, is not a guru's how-to guide. It's kind of my confession that I have been more enamored as a preacher, as a professional clergy. Sometimes it's tempting to hide behind a pulpit, hide behind a blog, hide behind my social media and talk about certain things. And when it, when it gets tough and rigorous and challenging to not push through those things. Um, so I think it begins with confession. Uh, I think it begins with taking more time to prayerfully study scripture, to pray, to fast. I think in our culture, there's this kind of uh, obsession of doing things. And as a result, we do it quickly, but we flame out. Uh, we're not about the marathon. We're more about the sprint. Uh, the story that I talk about in the book is the story about Nehemiah. When he's convicted about the conditions of the walls in Jerusalem, it's not an overnight fasting, an overnight prayer meeting that he has. It's something that he wrestles with for months scholars say anywhere from four to six months, he's really, really wrestling with what it means to be broken about the things that break God's heart. There's other things that I would share, but those are the first two things that come to mind right now. If God calls us to innovate, which he obviously asked you to innovate in the way you're doing church, so on the flip side of it, it's it's going to be a per- like it's going to have some times afterwards that are, as it says in James, tests and trials come at us from all shapes and sizes. <laughs> Yeah, and I think there's that's the stuff that we need to maybe spend more time talking about. There's a cost to innovation. There's pain to innovation. All things that I think are meaningful and worthwhile. You know, like you could you could replace the word innovation with community. Community. There's a cost to community. Justice. Everyone loves justice. There's a cost to justice. And, and I think you know, as we're talking about innovation, it's tremendously important that we're speaking about these things. I think what we're doing is we're trying to give people permission to think about these things, urging people to create margin for personal R and D, organizational R and D. But we should also let people know. There's a cost, like there's risk involved, there's pain involved, there's failure involved, and that's okay. So, such a great conversation. Uh, this week's episode that people can go listen now with One Hope President Rob Hoskins. Fascinating interview. He talks about how a trip to Swaziland to kind of observe some kind of ministry efforts out there really read to, led to this huge revelation about how to do ministry in the modern era. 
you're going to want to check out this week's and you want to go ahead and subscribe so you can hear the entire conversation with yeah. Eugene Cho. You know, he talks a little bit about his new book that's coming out about uh, civility and how to talk about difficult things in Christians and maintain civility. But really, the heart of the conversation was about ways that churches are innovating, can innovate, and some of the cautions of, as you heard there, of, uh, of making innovation into, you know, a sort of idol. Fascinating conversation every yeah. week. Every week, these uh, you know the called the the team that produces our, that uh, you know uh, is behind our Josh and Joel and, and, and the, the whole team there does an inc- incredible job of curating these conversations uh, with Jason Laird uh, you know uh, that, that we've been able to have with people like Julia Veach. Uh, John Eldridge, as you heard, Eugene Cho, Rob Hoskins, tons of others. Uh, you want to download it. You want to check it out. It is called and it is everywhere. We still got five episodes left in the season. We're super excited about it. Go get it now and you can hear the full conversation with Rob Hoskins this week and uh, on Wednesday, the rest of the conversation with Eugene Cho. Thanks, Jesse. And hey, many thanks to Sadie Robertson for joining us. Live is available for pre-order. Make sure you check that out. Also, called. Uh, like Jesse said, you can subscribe to season two of that right now for the full conversation with Eugene and all the other church leaders that they talk to over there. And uh, hey, as long as you're subscribing to new podcasts, check out Relevant Daily. It comes at you five times a week, Monday through Friday, featuring the top three stories at the intersection of faith and culture that we bring you every workday. And uh, hey, Hey, that'll wrap it up for the morning show, I think. Let's go back to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Good night, guys. <laughs> I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. I hope everybody has a good rest of your Friday. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jesse Carey hitting the snooze. I'm Clark <laughs> Fleppo. Good night. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. I'm in the shock jock seat. Wonka, wonka, wonka. Woo! Relevant Podcast Network.